The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. But all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. <laughs> Dear Lord, guide us in this holy Lent that we may seek and remove our sins and thereby be ready, Lord, for our eternal life. Amen. Amen. Sunday's kind of a tough one, you know, it's in the middle of Lent and uh, at least speaking for myself, some of those good intentions have... uh, Wandered a little bit, you know, a chocolate bar there, uh, what have you. And so I thought I'd um, sort of perk myself up, and hopefully you too, um, with some thoughts about where we are, what we can do, uh, and why it's important. Um, you probably all know that joke, you know, about the the young couple who are, want to go and spend a happy weekend up in Maine, and they're driving around in their little car, and um, they get lost, and they can't find this little inn that they uh, are looking for. And uh, they drive, and they drive, and suddenly they see this farmhouse, and uh, there's a man and a wife sitting uh, in a, a, a spring seat uh, at one end of the porch, and... Uh, I mean, this is how you know it's made. And then there's this large icebox at the other end of the porch, which is kind of all taped up. And then in the front of the porch, there's a pretty heavily overgrown garden with the garden gnomes uh, lying all askew. So they go up uh, to this couple who are on the uh, swing, and they say, you know, we're lost. We want to go to this uh, holiday uh, motel. Uh, can you tell us how to get there? And there's a silence, which actually lasts a while, which you might also expect uh, in Maine, you know, sort of a laconic sort of uh, gap. And um, the uh, husband and wife confer, and then you know what they say. They say, you can't get there from here. Um, Okay, well, listen, that's what our situation is here in Lent. So you can't get there. That's the resurrection. And here is where we're shackled by our sins and limitations. And uh, the whole purpose of Lent is for us, A, to be aware of that, 
And as we heard in the different elections, we need God to help us. We need his grace. We cannot do this by ourselves, even though occasionally, actually more than occasionally, we think we can, you know. And um, and so we need to somehow recall a way that each of us uh, might be able to make some inroads in those limitations that we have. Notice I say limitations as opposed to sin. But it is that. It is limitations. And as you can imagine, this is speaking for myself now, it is hard to look at those limitations. And um, actually, as we heard in the epistle, some people don't even know that they're sinning and that they're evil. They don't even know it. Now, I think that our discipline is such that we can at least be aware of it. Whether we're going to do something about it, that's difficult. But thanks be to God, that's why we're all here. At least I I hope so. Now, um, so the thing is, what do you have to do um, maybe to uh, map out uh, uh, some kind of spiritual journey? And I'm always saying, well, how do I start? What What do I do? What's the method, you know? And I don't really have anything very fancy. I just sort of say, okay, um, well, actually, this is much more difficult. You know, it's like, I'm going to find a place in the house somewhere, or maybe in my car, where there is silence. Do you have any place like that at home? Silence. Now, I know that younger families, absolutely impossible, you know, Hanging on the bathroom door, whatever. You can't have sound. So you do have to go somewhere else. Now, I like my car. I, this is, I'm not driving it now. I'm just sitting out there. And uh, people, you know, do come and rap on the window, and they want to make sure I'm not dead. And, uh, uh, but seriously, I think that's a place to try to think about my limitations. And I think the way to do it is thinking about situations. Like, for instance, you say... I was um, judgmental and abrupt with my coworker, Mr. Jones. Um, I think that's a problem for me. I think I'm often that way, particularly judgmental. And it's, it's again, that's a human characteristic, but it limits us in the eyes of God. It would be something like that, or you say, you know, I don't know. Uh, I guess you know if you're. Uh, in high finance, you say, I'm really sorry that I stole that $500 million, you know, <laughs> but, but it's actually about, about stealing and, you know, taking, and it's more than just, it's taking what is not yours. And by that, I mean, maybe you don't have a gift and you start to think you do. And, and that's wrong because you've got your own gifts. So I guess what I'm suggesting, I'm not going to say, oh, you must get on your knees, you must have silence. No, no. It's any way that you can gently, and and this isn't like a harsh thing, it's like just a few minutes maybe where you clear your mind and start to think. I think at first, all you can do is try for a few minutes just to be blank in the mind. I mean, you know, I start thinking right away. I mean, like, it's about 30 seconds in. It's like, oh, I've got to go shopping. I need to get some bread. I mean, it's like, no, you can't do that. You have to try to let God in. So I think that's hard. Um, so that's the first process. That's what we call discernment. Discernment. 
And uh, interesting word, um, I never realized this until I looked into it, but the wisdom of Solomon, discernment, that's what the word means. And think about what he did with, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the baby and the two mothers. That's discernment, understanding what he would have to do. So that's the first thing. It, it means sort of analysis. You want to say, gee, you know, I don't like to admit this, but, uh, you know, uh, I really uh, am lazy or I'm intellectually dishonest or you know, whatever it is. Um, so you, you discern it. And now you write it down on a piece of paper, maybe. And then the next step, which is really not easy, is you accept it. This is part of what I am. And uh, I essentially have to, you know, really believe that it's, uh, it's there. And then uh, everything gets a little harder. You see, then you say, okay, I'm judgmental. I told Mr. Jones something I shouldn't have. I'm going to change my life. A little bit. I'm not going to be as judgmental. I'll try. And in fact, maybe I'll even go say hello to Mr. Jones and say, gee, I didn't mean to be so hard on you. You know, I, I think that gets very difficult. It's very hard to do. Very hard to do that. But the idea is you brought something of yours before God. And you are willing, willing to make a try to do something. And you know from the scriptures, not just this, if you're willing, God will come and carry you across the finish line. He really will. And we know that. That's part of our faith, you see. But you do have to be a little bit, uh, a little bit willing. But once you've done the amendment of life, I think you begin to get warmed up, you know, and you have some gratitude. And remember, gratitude uh, is uh, a free and unmerited gift. That's what gratitude is. The root is grace. That's the same thing. Grace. You have no control over it. It's free. You did not earn it, but it has come to you from God. So gratitude's got to come next because you have to be aware. So you can't say, oh, I figured that all of my, myself, you know, not a problem. I, I didn't need God to help me with that one. You know, no, no, no. You have to bring this into mind and say, thank you, God, for maybe releasing me from uh, some kind of abuse or some kind of dishonesty, whatever it is. And I think that helps. You know, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. They keep doing the same thing. So it has to be stronger than that, I think, you know, to really to really help us, you know. Um, And after gratitude, maybe. Maybe you have some hope that you can change and you can be a better person. And uh, I like to think, and I'm not, I've not really reached one of these stations completely, but see, if you have hope and you put hope together for, say, a week, day after day, I feel hopeful, I know things are going to be okay. What does that lead to? Faith. Faith. Obviously. If you can hope every day, then eventually you're going to say, I'm Okay. I know God will look after me. I don't know how, but he will. So there, you've completed this circle of preparation for spiritual growth. Now, you know, I'm not on TV. You know, I I didn't kind of come by this uh, sort of magically or quickly. I just something that I've, you know, really thought about. And I do think something like that process has to be at work during Lent. Because once we get to the resurrection... Once we get there, we would not know what to do 
if we were shackled by our sins and had made no attempt to serve God or to think about God. And um, both of these texts, you know, they're pretty, uh, pretty damning about uh, people who don't follow the directions, you know. I mean, um, God did not send, this is from uh, the Gospel of John, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So it's, it's pretty dire, it's pretty important that we do this. Um, and I talk about sin, and, you know, just to quickly uh, maybe give it, you know, what do you mean by sin exactly? You know, well, basically, I think sin is anything that, you know, challenges the love of God. And, of course, you know, we, we may not always know what that is, but have a look at the uh, numbers. Have a look at numbers. That's, that's scripture. Okay, so, by the way, this is the second time the people of Israel were whining and bitching about being sent out into this desert. You remember the first time was, you know, they said, well, we'd rather, you know, go back to Israel and be slaves and, you know, than, than die out here with you, Moses. So now why is that so irritating to God, you know, that he sent the serpents? Again, it's I think it's like maybe the basic sin. The basic sin is once we start to think that we're God, we both are in huge trouble and he becomes very angry. And I, I really believe that. I think that's kind of the basic thing is men who think they are gods will be uh, in trouble. Do we have a story like that? Absolutely. In Genesis chapter 3. What happened? Well, there's different versions. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you feel about snakes. Um, but... Uh, I'm uh, kind of ambivalent, but frightened most of the time. And if you think about snakes, though, it's not really about the snakes. I remember uh, my wife and I went to Africa once, and we went on one of these game preserves. And it was just so amazing because you said, oh, man, there's an elephant. And he was such like an elephant. I mean, he was all elephant. There was no nothing else there. And uh, I, I, I just so with the snake, the snake's a snake. He's not he's not anything except we use these snakes as symbols and they're very powerful. And in, and in the Garden of Eden, we have we have uh, Satan pretending that he's a snake. And by the way, before Satan gets out of the Garden of Eden, he's able to walk around, at least according to Milton. He's up, he's up wandering around. He looks really sharp. And he starts to talk to Eve. And basically, what he says is just what I said. He says, Eve, you know, you've got to understand, you know, you're not only really beautiful, you know, but you should, you know, you don't get out enough. You know, you should, like, go somewhere. Because this is what he said, really. You know, you should, you know, you should do this and stuff. And, and by the way, you know, this whole stuff about God punishing you for eating of the tree, don't worry about that. He's just afraid that once you eat, you'll know more than he is. And you will be free in a way that you really should be because you're such a great person. So she fell for it, you know. And then, of course, she made her husband. And then... That's the end, right? They had a good deal. Out. Now they're out. So that's the sin of Adam, to think that he and she are God. God cannot tolerate that. He was worried that they might sneak back and eat the uh, tree of life. 
And then, then God would be really angry. They just, all they did is eat the tree of knowledge between good and evil. Right? So that's evil. I mean, that's the snake manipulating people, but it's the people themselves. It's not really the snake, you know. Um, and so, too, those snakes uh, uh, in, in, in numbers. And, uh, I mean, how terrifying would that be? You know, to have all these snakes slithering around and then biting people. Uh, and until Moses lifted up the brass serpent, and I think that those words lifted up are very important. Lifted up, just like Jesus was lifted up upon the cross. And one sight of that serpent healed people. So on the one hand, you get them, the serpents biting and killing, and then you have them look up, and uh, they're healed. So serpents don't just don't just uh, bite and kill. They can also heal. I don't know if you've ever heard this passage, but it's the last verse uh, of the gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 16, verse 18. And this is part of Jesus' commission of his disciples. And He's talking about the disciples, that's they. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever seen a service where uh, a minister, who, by the way, carries a kind of a canvas sack full of uh, rattlesnakes and copperheads around with them, that's what this man does. Uh, and he puts him on the altar, and there's a very sort of Pentecostal... Now, I, I must admit, now this isn't one of your mainline religions, all right? This is... Uh, these are practiced... Uh, maybe they should be, I don't know, but... Th- these are practiced in very small communities, and, you know, not to give anybody... But, you know, in Appalachia, um, southern Ohio, and they're tiny places. There's not, you know, a lot of them. But what happens is this man, this minister, uh, to show not only he, not only to show that he is chosen of God, but to show that God can heal and protect. So this is a positive thing, even though it seems a little bizarre. He lets these snakes bite him. And uh, there's a little bit of circus mag- uh, magic here because, first off, he removes all the uh, he removes their their uh, their glands that produce the poison, uh, and he also kind of you know files their fangs down so they're sort of you know they don't need dentures or anything but they're kind of you know they're kind of small with the teeth but but. Uh, some of these men do it differently. They actually do get the poison, and because they've been poisoned so many times, they're okay. You know? So what is that? Well, it's a very strange thing, but it's part of a service in which God is manifested, and maybe erroneously, but they don't think so, um, in the form of a, of a serpent. So to go back to this, I think we have a, you know, a common cause, which is, you know, Easter is coming. So, you know, I think we need to look at uh, all of ourselves, good things and bad, and uh, through prayer or meditation or reading, serving others, maybe we can make some headway um, in those things, you know, that limit us. And I, I don't think we could be, there could be nothing wrong with that. And I think, actually, there might be a lot right um, when you come to Easter Sunday. I think you'll feel differently. So, God bless you all, and uh, let's try to keep a good 
and Holy Lent. Amen.